Well, today, ladies and gentlemen, I have a treat for you. We are bringing on as a guest to this show one of the most innovative and creative and intelligent real estate investors and flippers, in my opinion, here in Las Vegas. And there are a lot of good ones, but this person has caught my eye because, of course, they are creating their digital character and their digital persona using the power of social media. And they share their secrets with us on this show. Ladies and gentlemen, we have Kenny Caceres. He is otherwise known as at property underscore plug on Instagram. And let me tell you what, he's using Instagram at such a high level. Over 20,000 followers, over 158 flips to date. And it's just nonstop. Um, The Vegas Redevelopment Group is his company. He's got other brands and movements like BBTB, Buying Back the Block. Um, He has a new company that has spawned off of his real estate um, business called Trash Out Pros, where they go and they help people who um, need to clean out distressed properties um, quickly, efficiently, and affordably uh, with Trash Out Pros. Go ahead and follow them on Instagram. Look them up. Um, They're doing amazing things for real estate investors, realtors, and homeowners who just need to get their properties and um, their land cleaned up quickly, efficient, and affordably. All right, guys. So without any further ado, we're going to jump right into this episode. I hope that you find some valuable nuggets in this because that's what our intention is with this podcast. And all that I ask you, ladies and gentlemen, this podcast is free. This information is free. All that we ask you is if you learn something from each and every episode, if there's one thing that you can pull out of each and every episode, we ask that the fee be that you share that episode either on one, one of your social media platforms, whether you're screenshotting this episode and dropping the link or you're just texting it to a friend and saying, hey, I think this would be helpful for you. That's all that we ask that you do because we know that if you're getting something out of it, somebody else that you know in the industry will probably get something out of it too. And we want to share our message. We want to help others because if we could just change one person's business, then that's all that matters to us because that could change their life. That could change their trajectory um, for their whole entire family tree generations down the line. One podcast, believe it or not. And we have a lot, of, a lot of other valuable content coming. Go to socialagentsecrets.com, enter your email and sign up to get notified when we release more amazing trainings on how you can implement a digital strategy that works for the modern real estate agent. Social Agent Secrets. Social Agent Secrets. So the big question is this. With all the new technology like big data, AI, and automation disrupting the real estate industry, how are real estate agents and entrepreneurs like you and I supposed to survive, evolve, and thrive in the future of real estate sales? How do real estate entrepreneurs like us, who are spending money out of our own pockets, how do we market in a way that lets us get our expertise and services and things that we believe in out to our ideal clients? How do we use digital marketing to gain their trust and turn them into actual clients? Those are the questions, and this podcast is the answer. My name is Danny Fee, and welcome to Social Agent Secrets. I'm over here with Kenny Caceres aka at property underscore plug on Instagram. Um, you know, the way I came about uh, finding you is the, is the reason I'm here interviewing you today. It was through video. It was through social media. And I just kept on seeing that you kept on providing valuable content and you kept on educating your audience. And that's what drew me to come back. I saw your engagement on your Instagram I see the engagement that you get on Facebook, and I'm like, what is this guy doing? It reminds me of what I'm kind of doing to generate business, but you're uh, a real estate investor here in Las Vegas. I'm a realtor here in Las Vegas, Um, but it seems like we're using similar methods 
at least in one arm of our marketing efforts to generate business. And that's what this podcast is all about. It's all about using video, um, creating your digital character, your digital persona to attract more business and ultimately attract your dream clients, the target that you're looking for. And, um, you know, I just really wanted to find out, you know, how did it all start for you? So, brother, you pointed something out that's key that I feel a lot of people don't mention. You said you were, you've already looked, you already looked me up on Instagram, you already looked me up on Facebook, which means you're consistent on there. And a lot of people like that. A lot of people like being consistent on social media. And then the fact that you're going above and beyond and doing your research just shows that you're taking genuine interest in, in finding out who's, who's on social media making moves, you know? So, when I, I first got started, I overthought the process, man. I overthought the process. Um, and I feel everybody in the industry right now thinks it because we want to project a certain persona that's not us. Mm-hmm. And we want to project that, uh, how do we put it? We want to project that that Hollywood star, those perfect movie, the perfect photos, the perfect looks, the perfect posts. And we were always looking to perfect that. But the thing we, we like to understand is that we're not documenting. Like a, a lot of like our followers, man, we've become consumers of content. And I was talking about this, man. A lot of a lot of the followers, and even you and I, we consume content daily. We mm-hmm. consume other people daily. We become bigger consumers. And that's the reason even for TV commercials and TV ads, it's become so difficult to capture people because, you know, we're consuming other people. And, you know, and that's the reason that if you see, like, people on YouTube and Instagram that do funny pages and all that, they pretty much have captured all our attention and mega companies are paying them. So one thing that when I first got started, I was thinking about this, like, how can I potentially do something like that? And I started by branding myself as Lux Investor. Mm-hmm. I wanted to get into luxury and I wanted to show the lifestyle. I wanted, and I quickly realized like that content, I can only produce it so much because I didn't have the means to produce it. I didn't have the funds. I didn't have the money to be able to buy the clothing often. I can only fake it till you make it so long. Right. So I decided to delete all that and start from scratch. And I was like, what can people relate to? Like, what can my audience and what can my people that follow me and I follow them relate to? It's just like, and how can I get them to continuously want to see me grow? And I listened to something about Gary Vee and, and he talks about you want to document the journey mm-hmm. over, you know, create, instead of creating content, document the journey. So I was like, I was just getting started into wholesaling real estate and getting into investing side. So the first thing that came to mind was like, let me share this. And honestly, man, when I first got started, it was just thinking like, how can I share? What do people want to see? And the first thing that came to my mind is like people want to see messed up house. Like people like drama. So let me create some type of, uh, how do you put a reality TV show where they can come in, they can see the, some of the messed up property, they can see the bunk, all behind the scenes, all the things that are not glamorous that a lot of people in the business just want to project. People want to project the glamorous stuff, don't, but don't want to project the actual behind the scenes stuff. And that's mm-hmm. what I like doing. I love projecting the behind the scenes. I love seeing the hustle. I love sharing the hustle. I love sharing like, you know, the back end that yeah. nobody likes showing in. And I feel like that's what is the easiest way to grow, like a, a like a social media, and it's, and it's sharing the back end because it's the things that people can relate to the most. Yeah. Um, so that's really interesting, especially how you mentioned Gary V. I'm a huge fan, and, and documenting your journey is like it's something that he preaches, right? But um, you know, tell me a little bit about Kenny. Like before you got started, what kind of led you into? Um, first, let's talk about like what kind of production you, you've done over 150 flips here in Las Vegas. 157. 157. We're heading to 160. We're gonna get three properties this week, so we'll get to 160. And and on 2019, you're you're net like you're you're kind of looking to project. Uh, the goal is to finally hit my first million. First so million in one million. year. Yeah, my first year. Okay. So. All right. So so you've started this and you've only been doing this for what three years now or this is my third year full-time by myself this is my third year that i've been running the company by myself man that's that's huge that's amazing but i really want to hear about where you were mentally what was going through your mind before you started that first year before you decided to go on your own if you could just take us through that journey of how kenny got started mm-hmm. with buying back the block with with this movement that you've created with with this real estate investment company that you forged at such a young age and found some really good success with? Like, what were you doing before this that led you into this career path that you're on right now? You know, I actually been blessed to have gotten a head start in real estate since I was 18. I actually I actually met a mortgage lender when I was 17 years old. I, I dropped out of high school when I was 17, and I started washing cars, and I ended up washing this 
pretty much he's a big lender here in Vegas. I started watching his cars and I saw the luxuries, you know, that's what kind of got to me, the materialistic things when I was 17, uh, fresh dropped out of high school, struggling to make a living and slowly growing my car wash business. And what attracted me was, this was back in 2013, the economy was just making a comeback. It was barely starting to catch traction. So one of the things that caught me was like, how's this gentleman, while my parents and everybody else around me from the neighborhoods that I come from, were struggling to get by, how's this guy dressing good, wearing the $3,000 suits, wearing the Rolex and, you know, pulling up in the Bentley and the Escalade. So that's pretty much what caught my attention. It's like, how is he doing so good? And after watching this car about 10 times, I finally got built up to guts. I'm like, what do you do for a living? And he's like, I'm in real estate. And he's like, I'm in mortgages. And as soon as the first thing that came to my question in my head was knowing that, you know, like I thought at 17, it's like, if you don't have a college degree, if you don't have, if you don't have, uh, if you don't have a college degree and you're not educated, you can't accomplish anything in life. So when he tells me, he's like, I asked him, I was like, what did you, what did you do to get your license? I'm like, how long did you go to college? He said, I didn't go to college. And I was like, okay, well, how long did you, how long did you go to career? Uh, what is the careers, those career schools? Like, I didn't have to do that. He's like, I just, I'm not, I'm a high school dropout. So as soon as he said that, it was like, it was like the, the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. And I saw it clearly and I was like, oh shit, like this dude's living it good. And he dropped out of high school like I did. Because at that time I was thinking about going back to high school and getting my diploma. And I was like, maybe this can help me get ahead in life and stop struggling. And, you know, I wanted to make a change at 18. So, uh, you know, I left it alone. Probably about a week later, I showed back up to the place where I used to watch Scar at his office. And I see his assistant run out the office crying. And she had just got fired. So I'm finishing up watching his car. Wait, so he fired his sister? Yeah, you know, he had fired his assistant. Oh, his, his assi assistant. Oh, his assistant. Yeah, he okay. He fired his assistant. And it caught my attention. So I finished watching the car. I went inside. And I was like, why did she be crying? They like, oh, I just fired her. He's like, I'm going to look for a new assistant. And I don't know I don't know what, bro, but like, it, just, it just took over. And I was like... I went back in the truck. I drove down to the Meadows Mall. I was on Spring Mountain Jones. I drove down to Meadows Mall. I bought myself a suit and I bought myself some dress clothes. And I literally went home, changed, and I came back dressed up. He's like, what are you doing? And so happens to be that that day he was having a, a get-together for realtors. He was having tacos day. And I show up. Everybody, all the realtors knew me as this car wash guy. So everybody's looking at me like, what are you doing in a suit? You know, what yeah. are you doing in a suit? You're the car wash kid. And it, honestly, man, like, I've never shared this. The first time I shared this, like, it really got to me, like, um, I kind of got emotional that day because like fuck like this is all like people see me as just a car wash kid yeah. and it's just like how can I change that and yeah I was chasing materialistic stuff man I was really chasing the materialistic things and it was just because I wanted a better life for my kid and you know so I, I kind of like uh, I approached him after that event and I was like look I, I really want to work for you and he's like look kid he's like he told me sure he's like I don't think you got what it takes to be in the mortgages and like, I, like for me one of the things is I I perform once my back's against the wall. Except mm -hmm. when I perform the most. And it's like that survival instinct kicks in. And I'm in, I'm, I'm working on, in a way, getting rid of it. Because it's like, I don't need, I don't want to live my life against the, like, my back against the wall the whole time. I don't want to hustle out of fear, you know. So, and that's one thing, like, so, once he told me that the next day, man, I showed back up to his office. At that time, he's in Disneyland. He had left that night to Disneyland with his kids. Mm -hmm. And I, I showed up, I was dressed up again in the suit. And I was talking to his you know, I knew everybody in the office, and long story short, I was working there for a week free. The whole time he was on vacation, I'm in his office every morning at 8 a.m. Did he and know? No, he didn't know. <laughs> he didn't know. I was just there. I was talking to the lenders. I made it seem like he gave me a chance, and they didn't question it because, you know, I was there pretty much three or four times a week washing people's cars. So and, you just showed up acting as if you had the job of yeah, the assistant? Exactly. It's just instinctually, that's what you did. I wanted it wrong. I wanted it bad because I, I thought I had the motions that... As soon as I get into this, I see the way he's driving. I see everybody else in the office pulling on nice cars. I thought, I'm in. As soon if I could get in, I'm made. Like, this is it. So, my, my mind, I was like, as soon as I, I turn, as soon as I could get in here, I don't have to wash cars. Pretty much, I'm, I'm going to be making over 100000 a year. <laughs> that, was, that was the first instant that came to my head. And, you know, long story short, he shows up. Uh, the next following week, he's looking at me like, what are you doing here again? It's now it's Monday. His office manager comes up and he's like, this dude's been here the whole past week. He's been learning. He's been hustling. He's actually been on the phone to make some calls for the lenders. So it was his natural instinct to right off the bat, he's like, you really want it? He's like, I'll give you an opportunity. He's like, but I want to know that you're serious. He's like, you got to sell your car wash equipment. He's like, I don't want you to, I don't want you to have a plan B. If you're going to do this, you're going to go all in. And at that time, bro, I had like almost like $10,000 worth of car wash material. I had just bought equipment. And that included my van, and I had my cargo van. I called one of my cousins, and I was like, 
how much money do you have? And he's like, I got 3000 And I'm like, come get my car wash equipment. And he's like, dude, you, you pay a lot of money for it. I'm like, I don't care. I'm out. So, because I thought, like I said, I won the lottery tickets. So I was like, shit, I'm going to make it. You already care. believed. Yeah, I thought, like, I was like, I don't care. Like, if I, if I take it $7,000, I'm going to make this back probably in the first month. Because one of the things, uh, when I was washing his car, I used to always find receipts, man. I always find receipts. <laughs> and I see the bank statements. I would see the deposits, $50,000 deposits, $30,000 deposits. So I was like, that's me. I was like, within a couple of days, I can make that back. And, you know, that's not what it turned out, man. I sold the car wash equipment. The next day I show up, fill out the application. As I'm filling it out, uh, it says I uh, pay eight twenty five an hour. Man, I was like, uh, I got this. It's like I got a cold bucket, well, cold water poured on me because it was like I was expecting to make, you know, over three hundred dollars a day. I was making over two hundred bucks a day washing cars. So making eight twenty five, you know, pretty much what I would make in one day, I'm now going to make in one week. Mm-hmm. So I just like fuck it, you know. I tucked it in and I just I went to work, man. He put me on the phones, and funny story, man. I got fired within my first month because wow. I was scared of the phones. I was scared of cold calling. I was scared of prospecting, and that kind of led me into, like, he fired me. I came back. Now, I don't have a car wash business. I didn't want to go to work. You know, once I dropped out of high school, I was working at, at, a, at a, um, as a dishwasher. I didn't want to go back to that. So it was just like, I went back. I think it was like a month that I didn't show up to his office. I went back. I was like, look, you don't have to pay me. Let me go to work again. So he finally took the time. He brought me back on. So this is my second chance. He brings me on, puts me back on the phone. It's the cold call. As, I, as I'm prospecting, I'm getting better. But the thing was... He would test me. He'll have me call his friends and family, make it seem like a regular client to see what I was pitching. I was I was telling him I was pitching a certain thing, but in reality I wasn't. And I, I actually I'm so thankful for that opportunity that he tested me because it got rid of the excuses right off the bat. And I feel like a lot of guys they say they cold call the prospect, but they don't. They're bullshitting their ways through these calls. And uh, you know, like I kind of like that was that was my main. You could say what I avoided going to school in, in my senior year and not going to college. I always say like these the two years that I spent in mortgages was my college education. Yeah. You know, I got I got the um, uh, what is it called? What do you guys call it? The school of hard school knocks. School of hard knocks. School yeah. of hard knocks. I, I was able <laughs> to get that in real estate, man, and I'm so thankful for it because it put me being in the mortgage side of the business. It put me in front of a lot of real estate people, and you know, overall, like when I, those that year that I worked for him after getting my second chance, I was still making eight twenty five an hour. I didn't care, but and honestly, like I when I first came in the business, I even lost a touch of want to make money after after like my second chance i was just thankful i got a second opportunity to be in the business and also thankful that i didn't care about how much money i was made at that point i was just thankful that i was able to work for somebody who's making a crap ton of money and that i was i was being able to get mentored and that's where i kind of got a lot of my style as well i was like you know i noticed this guy wasn't marketing i noticed that this guy wasn't sending out letters and and promotional postcards so it was just like it was all him and people and i was talking back in my head this is where the social media side comes in I was telling back in my head, it's like, if he's doing all this and not being on social media, like what if he was on social media and still doing this? How much more would his business grow? But his mentor is completely against social media. Mm-hmm. And to this day, I still follow his mentor. Um, and yeah, he's on YouTube, but he fights the social media part. He tells people he should, they shouldn't be on social media. It's a waste of time. Wait, wait, so he uses YouTube to tell people not to use social exactly. media? Exactly. So he's using social media to exactly. tell people. That, <laughs> that's, that, that's for a different story. Um, but, okay, so real quick to recap. Um, you saw the success of this lender mentor who was making a bunch of money. Um, you went through the trials and, and really learned the real estate business. Um, and then you saw the way he was marketing was just through relationships. Relationships. And you thought to yourself, just with your intuition, this is when social media started kind of blowing up. And- yeah, this is when Facebook was starting to finally catch traction. Uh, Instagram wasn't that famous yet. This we're talking probably the end of 2013. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not. It's not a lot of activity going on in Instagram. Instagram, I think, was just the the editing app at that time, picture edit app. Yeah. And then Facebook was the main thing. So you know. I, I one thing when when I saw him pretty much network with all these different realtors in the industry, I would go on Facebook and I would find them, I would add them. So slowly I was building my traction, and I find it, um, you know, it's a little thing that I have for myself that I see. I I would say that a lot of these realtors in the business have seen me grow up in the business. I mean, yeah. You know, they they saw when I was that kid cold calling for this particular lender, and now they see me running a pretty much a multi-million dollar real estate company. So it they seen pretty much the evolution and the growth. And that kind of leads me back to that build, that bond. But it was all because of social media. If I would have never added them and if I would have kept it the same way he did, he had to consistently be calling them, taking them out to lunches, taking them out to brunches and all that. But the fact that I was on social media, 
in front of them, sharing the growth, sharing some of my cold calling videos, sharing some of the tips, sharing some of my, my journey. I was doing it. I was documenting without knowing I was documenting. You were, you was, you were doing it yeah. before you ever heard of Gary Vee. Exactly. Before I, and I think I listened to Gary Vee the first time in 2015 or 16 around there. And that's when I really ramped up. Um, but before then, I was just documenting the journey. I would post certain things. And I even tweeted out the image. And like I said, it was all about wanting to be the Hollywood, thinking that you had to put something glamorous so people can accept you. And I noticed my engagement was all right, but it wasn't that, that all that well. But it, it did keep me in front of people. Mm-hmm. And it kept me in front of all the realtor people that now I do business with. And, and as well, it, it, it helped to serve as, um, you could say, uh, a resume. Because they seen the growth from the very beginning. You know, and they, they were able to track it. They could go back and see when I was... On your timeline. Exactly. They could go back on the timeline and they could go track and see where I started, where I was living, an example. Because we all share that. We share where we were living, our struggles. You know, sometimes uh, we express ourselves on social media. And that was one thing at that time I used to express myself. I was going through a touch situation. I will post some emotional uh, emotional status on there and people will engage. So a lot of people could see your growth and it serves as a resume. You can, and that's what social media has served for me as a resume to be able to pretty much um, anchor myself in the market. And now that, that I've built up that, people could go back and see like, oh, shit, this kid was growing up, this kid was in the business at a young age, and now, you know, because of that, I'm able to grow. And, and even till today, uh, because of the following I've been able to grow, and the people that I know on social media, and even, you know, the friends that we have on Facebook, if somebody doesn't want to do business with me, the first thing I do is add them on Facebook. And once I add them on Facebook, then they see they see the mutual friends. And if they see some of the bigger brokers, some of the biggest people making moves in the industry are my friends, and they're engaging. Not only they're my friends, but they're also engaging them on my page. That automatically, is, I guess that's a, that's a verification. You know, instant so, like social proof. Instant social proof, and it's automatically it's like the next call makes it so much easier because now they know. I'll go on their page, add them, and I'll like four or five little pictures. So I make sure that they know that. I just got off the phone with you. You didn't give me the time of the day, but I got on, I got in front of your face again, whereas the majority of us spend our time on any of social media. So when they're able to pull me up, they see that we have a lot of mutual friends and a lot of the big brokers that they're even going after mm-hmm. are on there engaging with me. So automatically, it just becomes... I guess I become legit. <laughs> yeah, no, that's how you build your trust, right? right. So you you started um, with this, this big-time lender in here. Um, and you, you mentioned something really interesting to me. You said, I almost lost the desire to make it big because money wasn't, it was more about learning at that point. Okay. But what happened to where you got to the point where you said, okay, it's time for me to transition and, and grow to this vision I initially had and, and go on my own. How did that transition take place? So, um, you know, being in the mortgage side, you're always prospecting realtors. And there was this one particular gentleman that I called one day, and he was a realtor, and he's also an investor. I gave him a call, and he, I guess he liked the way I pitched him. You know, we were, we were building up refis. I was on the phone consistently. I was one of the top performers in the mor- this mortgage company. And he, he piqued the interest in me. He's like, yeah, you really got skills. And, you know, I was making 12 bucks now an hour uh, around this time. You, so you got a raise? I got a raise <laughs> after like a year and a half. I got a raise and I was making that 12 bucks an hour plus commissions. It's taking home no more than two grand a month. Uh, so where I'm on the phone with this particular realtor and he's like, I like the way you, you're on the phone. Like, why don't, why don't you let me take you out to lunch? And first, my first instinct was like, no, why don't you come in? Let's meet in person. So he came in just to want to pitch me. Like, he, he, he sat through the, the pitch of the lender, but afterwards... It was like, let's go grab lunch. He's like, I'm pretty sure it's your lunchtime. So we went out to lunch. And he's like, look, kid. He's like, uh, I like how you're on the phone. Why don't you come work for me? He's like, I'll pay you 20 bucks an hour. I'm like, $8 raise. He's like, I'll pay you $20 an hour. Come hop on the phones for me. So I jumped ships, man. I, I was already part of the mortgage side. And I didn't think about it. I was like, man, let me try something different. And I jumped I jumped ships immediately. And I went to I went to work with this, this agent. And I was now prospecting listings for him. And, and it was the raise and I was like 20 bucks an hour, cool, I'm making money. And I was working for him. Again, long story short, uh, a couple months in, six months in, I prospect, I'm calling a homeowner who I thought was a homeowner. turns out it's another realtor. And he piqued interest in, like, I like the way you're on the phone. Why don't you sit down with me? Let's have lunch. That's when I find out he was flipping. That guy was flipping. And they were doing wholesome at that time. And, you know, working in the in the traditional real estate with this realtor that I was working for at $20 an hour, you know, they're making 2%, 3% listing. And this is this is before the market changed in Vegas to 1%. So 
So we're, we're making two to three percent. And so on eighty thousand, the average price point on that time was one hundred fifty thousand a week. Mm-hmm. So that's the average listing price. You know, there are people making two to three grand. And finally, when I go meet with this gentleman, he tells me he's like, "You can make twenty thousand dollars on an eighty thousand dollar transaction." And you know, that blows my mind. I'm like, that's impossible. You can't do that. How are you gonna make twenty thousand? That's not even three percent. That's not even six percent. Like, how? What are you doing? First thing, twenty five percent. It's a scam. It's a scam. What are you guys doing? Okay. He's like, no, bro. He's like, if you find the deal. He's like, and, and you get it at a discount price, there's guys that will pay that. And I'm like, but how? He's like, what are you doing already? I'm like, well, I'm prospecting homeowners. He's like, well, pick up the phone and now look for the messed up areas. He's like, pull a whole database and now go after after uh, the messed up neighborhoods. And he gave me an address. He's like, call this neighborhood, see if you get the data. So I called, uh, at that time, I called the title rep that we were working with. He's like, heading this particular neighborhood. She pulls it. And I'm like, I'm $100 numbers in prospecting and I find a man is one I find a man is one seller who wants to sell the property. It's a town home. Still remember Bonanza Atlanta. Mm. And I'm, I'm on the phone. He's actually on Bingham Avenue. Uh pick up the phone and I was like, hey man, are you interested in selling property? She says I am. Schedule an appointment. But this time I didn't schedule it with the agent I was working with. I went out by myself. Ooh. So this is your first appointment. This is my first appointment by myself. So I show up and I wasn't showing up as a representing an agent. I showed up as a quote unquote investor that this guy had told me over coffee that I should represent myself as show up and I offered her $32,000 for the property and so it was worth about seven eighty grand I threw an offer as $32,000 she bit and then I, t- I you know I take and I'm like okay well I got the verbal I don't have the contracts and actually just last night I was sharing how my first 10 transactions I didn't even know how to write up a contract <laughs> so I was like I got the yes I ran to the guy I called him I was like y'all got the contract I got her to say yes at $32,000 what are we doing he's like well you, you offered too much He's like, get her down. And I'm like, bro, I'm like, the property's worth 80 grand. You know, you're getting it for 32,000. That's a deal. And he's like, he's like, yeah, I'm on the traditional side. He's like, go back and negotiate her. So I was like, okay, the house is paid off. Go back. And I was like, man, would you take 27,000? And actually, sorry, 25,000. So she's like, you just agreed at 32,000. So mm-hmm. I was like, I ran my numbers and I was able to talk myself out. I was like, ran my numbers. 25,000 is the number. She said, fine, let's do it. So I called him and he's like, okay, come off of Sahara, come get the contract. I run off over there, pick up the contract. I run back down to uh, Bonanza Land, east of Vegas, and I get the contract signed. Wow. And now, but I'm the buyer on paper, yep. and I'm sitting there like I don't have the money for this, man. I make twenty bucks an hour right now. I don't have thirty to twenty-five thousand dollars saved up. What the heck am I gonna do? But he's like, just lock it up, bring it to me, and then I'll, I'll take it from there. And he did. And honestly, like, but the thing that he did was he didn't show me the in between. All I knew was we locked it down for twenty-five. And I made five thousand dollars. But the contract, the close part was was left out. Yeah, the contract, the close part was left out, and I didn't care. I made five grand. I never made five thousand dollars in real estate. I was like, my mom was like, "Fuck this, go, let's do this again." So I picked <laughs> up the phone, started prospecting, got another one. But this time I was like, I'm not bringing this deal until I know, like, start to finish. So I contacted another escrow officer, and at this time I was still doing the traditional side, prospecting listings, and I was finding my own wholesale deals you could say and and I was talking to the, the listing agent that I was working for I was like hey have you heard about this and his first instance that's illegal you're not supposed to do that well wholesaling yeah wholesaling okay it's illegal you're not supposed to do that and I was like man I was like well I was like I did it through escrow like these transactions go through escrow he's like well I never heard about it so it doesn't sound right and I was like all right well that same day I sat I went home and I was like man like I want to do this like I see that I'm good I see that like, I get people talking how can I do this for myself and that's when it piqued the interest of let me go back and start trying to make some money. And I mean, and that's where, it, you know, the money part came in. It was like, I made five grand. I make that every two months. Why don't I just come in and do this by myself? And especially because I'm seeing guys the whole time while I, on my lunch breaks after where I was working with the listing agent, during my lunch breaks, I would leave and I'll go sit at this wholesale company. And I'm seeing guys come in collecting $15,000 checks, $20,000 checks, $50,000 checks. And the listing agent I'm working for makes seven grand a year. You know, so seeing that these guys are closing continuous big checks sparked, sparked the interest in me again of maybe this is my chance to be able to make my money. Mm-hmm. I felt like I already did two years of mortgages. I already did a year and a half. I mean, like six months already in traditional listing. How can I branch off and now have my own? And this was around November 2015. And it's just so vivid to me because it was, I, that's when I was thinking about like, how can I go independent? So I was like, if I close one more deal for then a year, January 1st, 2016, I'm going to launch myself. And sure enough, man, I, I found another deal 
I found my first manufactured mobile home, which is the niche market I've stepped into. Mm-hmm. And I got it for 15 grand, sold over 35,000, made all that in between money. and All for yourself all now. All for myself now. And, you know, you know, I'm thankful for this escrow officer that helped me figure out the contracts, how to write it up, how to sign it, how to do the whole transaction. And, you know, so I was able to lock this deal up. And once it got done, it was, it was the journey that right off the bat gave me the money to be able to start my cap, my business, my investing side. I didn't know what whole summer was still. I didn't know what investing was. I just knew I knew how to get people to say yes. And I knew I knew the guys that wanted, that wanted to buy these flips at the time. And to me, that was enough. And I, January 1st, I actually opened up my first LLC and I just launched my own business then. And I mean, the whole time I was documenting this, I was, January 1st, I started documenting on my Facebook that I opened my, my investment company. People were engaging, people were, congratulations, man, look forward to the journey. And, you know, I started growing. And as I started growing, and I started prospecting and closing deals, like my first deal, my first year as, in, as an investor, I did 25 transactions. Wow. But the whole time I was sharing with people, there was this Facebook group called uh, Wholesome Full-Time. Okay. And I was on there, I was sharing my journey, how I was pretty much getting deals. Like I didn't, I didn't know this at the time, people would spend thousands of dollars for marketing. And for me, it was, I could say something, I could pick up the phone, prospect, but at the same time, I didn't have to spend thousands of dollars to sell my properties. I could just go on Facebook. And because I had been adding everybody while I was in mortgages and traditional real estate, I had been adding and growing the Vegas, you know, the Vegas community, the Vegas real estate community. I was able to easily to grab those properties and then bring it to the same community that at one point in time I was doing mortgages with. And those guys had, those guys had buyers. So I was bringing the inventory to them without even knowing I was doing it. So you you transitioned into going into your own, going on your own, opening your own business, your own investment business, real estate investing business, and the way you were offloading the properties um, is through documenting through social media, Correct. and it would it would basically be an off market deal, and you were already connected to loan officers, escrow officers, and realtors throughout the Las Vegas Values. So whenever you posted, those were new opportunities for them and right. their clients, right. and that's how you were were basically selling those houses, and you yeah. were using social media to do it. Um, a lot of times, I know in the beginning for me, it was posting text and images, and then video started getting big. Right. Um, tell me about when you started implementing video, I know that you're huge on Instagram with over 23,000 followers. And every single day I see you popping up with that Instagram colored ring around your profile picture on the top where the stories come in. It's like pretty much every time you're there, you're showing up every day. How did, how did that consistency evolve? How did you start um, coming to like, you're already used to documenting your journey, but how did you start getting comfortable with, with using video and talking into the camera and kind of tell me about that. Did you ever have any fears of, of, of doing that when, when, when you started using video? Tell me about the journey that you went on um, when you started to implement video as a strategy on your social media to document your journey. Man, so to tackle your question head on, I, even to this day, I'm still nervous in doing videos. Uh, if you were to flip the camera over right now or even as we're recording this, this podcast, I still get nervous from time to time. But as you do it more, you start getting comfortable with it. But I feel what made me really good, and I still keep growing. I, I still feel I still feel like I'm growing. I feel like I'm in step one, and I'm growing. I always feel like I, when I try something new, I'm back to square one. Um, I don't feel like I'm an expert yet at it. I just I like creating this. I like creating FOMO and fear of missing out. I like creating that, and that's one thing I created with even on Facebook when I'm shopping on properties, and even now, like I want people to feel he might have the next deal, and we don't want to miss out on it. FOMO? FOMO. F-O-M-O? Yeah, the fear of missing out. Okay. So a lot of us have that FOMO. We, we fear missing out on opportunities. And and uh, one thing I did was when I would promote properties on Facebook, I would tag everybody who I knew had cash buyers. And I would make sure that they knew I would post the videos, drop it, and people will engage, people will start submitting offers, even on the comments. So to this day- Like they're I, submitting offers through the comments. on the comments on Facebook. <laughs> and to this day, I'm yet to send out an email and I don't blast my properties, everything's through Facebook or Instagram. I'll promote a property, but this is the asking price, this is the sales price. Wow. And, and that's what I want to do. Like, I learned that tactic of FOMO. It's just like, people, I wanted people to see, like, I could post something because originally I would post something, and people thought, ah, it'll be there tomorrow or the next day. But what I would do is, like, I'll push it. I'll make sure people know, like, I'll tag everybody. At first, I would post something, didn't tag anybody. Now, I started posting something and tagging everybody I knew who had catch buyers. 
So it started automatically getting engagement, call me. Give me your, your comments would be call me. My offer's this. Now offer started, it was a it was a bidding war. A bidding on war Facebook, on Facebook. On comments. So and then at the end of, at the end of the comments it was sold. And I would even tag the person I sold it to. So I made it official and everybody knew like, oh shit, like they don't last tomorrow. So if you thought you were gonna call me tomorrow, it doesn't show up. I, I would properly done and I would even delete the post afterwards. So So this is this is really unique because I've never even heard anyone say this strategy before. Yeah. Um, and we all know whenever you get more comments, what does the algorithm do? It increases. And you get more, you know, you stay on top of the Facebook, on top of the Facebook feeds or the, or the Instagram feeds. Oh, wow. You know? So when I first shopped out properties, man, I w- Instagram wasn't still my, I still wasn't on Instagram that aggressively. I actually, at that time, I was BBTB founder. That's when I was started doing the buying back the block uh, movement. Uh-huh. And for me, it was just more about, I did the BBTB movement more for myself. I did it more like, this is something I want to do. Like, I want to buy back the block. And, I wanna, and it wasn't, it's not no wars. It was just me, like, a motivational thing, you know. So, I started that movement for myself. And that's what pushed me into uh, going into Instagram. And I hired a mentor to push me through Instagram. And the first thing he does is I'm thinking he's going he's gonna to mentor me, teach me how to do videos, do the whole behind the scene things for me, make me look, you know, Hollywood on, on Instagram. That way everything looks... Uh, you know, glamorous. Mm-hmm. And he did he did the complete opposite. He's like, let's go one of these properties, flips the camera around, and he just starts recording. He's like, we're here at a property, we're doing this. And I'm nervous, man. I still got the first video of when I when I did that. So this is the first time you did video. First time I did video on this. So show. all the other stuff was posting a picture of the property. Posting a picture of the you property. You would you would caption it in a certain way to create, you know, engagement. Short, short caption. It was share the share the uh, the asking price, what the property is worth. I was an example, hundred thousand sales price. Worth ARV 200, worth two hundred. Okay, uh, and I let them determine. And that would create the would create the, the interest. It was a feeding frenzy. Okay, it was a feeding frenzy, man. And a couple of pictures, but it was never a video of you talking. Never. never. All right, so you met someone who started mentoring you on Instagram. Correct. And the first thing he did was take you to a distressed property. Correct. One of mine. One of yours. In my environment. Okay. So let's go to your environment where you're at, and in. You know, we all, we're so used to having the camera facing opposite of us. Right. We're always showing the properties, we're showing everything else, showing the cars, what we're doing, but we never turn the camera towards us. And it's like we follow we follow each other, but we don't see each other that often unless it's a picture. And the pictures we see are perfect pictures. And we see it with, with ladies and we even see it with guys. Like they don't post a selfie that, you know, they look a little weird in or something. They always show the most like glamorous picture they possibly can. So he's like, We're gonna change that. He's like, You're gonna show he's like you're 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 in properties, you're in messed up areas. I want you to show yourself, I want you to show your expressions. What happens when you walk into somebody's properties? Is it stink? Yeah, okay, then show me show me there's stinks in here. Do you did you knock down that door? Yeah, but record that. Like so I was like, I'm like, I don't think people want to see that. No, people want to see that. He's like, <laughs> people want to see the raw. So I was like, all right, let's test it. And as soon as I started testing it, more and more people started engaging. And more more people wanted in. On and Instagram? I, on Instagram. This, okay. at this time it was like two thousand seven. Probably January 2017. So stories had, had come out? Stories that came out and I started getting all in into, into Instagram. And I started stepping into that, that side of the business, uh, that side of the social media and slowly stepping away from Facebook. Because I noticed that the Instagram demographic was would engage more and they were more authentic and more positive compared to Facebook where, you know, Facebook allows you to dislike, put a sad face, put a thumbs down. It gives people too many emotional reactions. Mm-hmm. And I didn't like that about Facebook because if they didn't like one of my properties or if they thought I was overpriced or if they didn't like one of my stories, Facebook allows them to express themselves in that manner, in a negative manner. But on Instagram, you can, you pretty much the niche is, if you like a certain niche, you can follow that person. And I started creating my niche of pretty much this raw investor going out there into these properties and that was more of my following now. So they know what they're getting on Instagram. On Facebook, you still had to keep it because of the demographic. I still had to play within the lines. Like I couldn't tell the line, you know? And especially because I had a lot of professionals that feel that the image you project on Facebook or social media has to be a professional image every time. Mm-hmm. And, then when, and then when I'm not doing professional stuff on Instagram, they, you know, I, would try to, I was trying to bring the same thing I was posting on Instagram to Facebook and it wasn't working. Okay. And I was getting negative uh, reaction right away. A lot of people would have been discouraged by this. A lot of people would have been like, well, my doesn't like this. But I was like, you know what? Now I know what my two demographics are on Instagram. Even the same people that follow me on Facebook and follow me on Instagram, they know that on Instagram they get the raw me. And they know on Facebook they're going to get the professional me. All right. So let's break that up and, and kind of 
let's break that down real quick. So Facebook, you originally started using kind of as your own MLS. Correct. Um, and you had a polished kind of look. It was Correct. professional. This is a good deal, but it wasn't the raw Kenny, right? Behind the scenes. It had nothing to do with behind the scenes, and it had nothing to do with me sharing how people act, how the fictions are going, cussing. You know, it had nothing to do with any of that. Uh, it was just, here it is. Here's the pictures. Here's the professional stuff. That's it. Keep it clean. And then on Instagram... This guy kind of mentored you to to be yourself, show behind the scenes. Correct. You're gonna get, you're gonna see the deals, but you're also gonna get behind the scenes um, how you acquired the property, uh, how you're trashing the property out and cleaning it up, and how you're ultimately selling it for the profit. And you're posting information about your successes, but you're truly documenting the entire story right. on Instagram as opposed to only a portion of it on Facebook. Yeah, see, that's the thing. Like a lot of people that I follow on Instagram, well, used to follow on Instagram, they love showing the checks. I got this property and I got paid this. But then between, it's like, what happened in between? What happened with the stress? Like, we all know that flipping isn't easy, flipping a property isn't easy. But they made it seem so easy and it was like, I don't like that. Let me let me make that my, my niche. Let me show you the in-between. Let me show you how I got an argument with the tenant. Let me show you how I'm, you know, we're evicting somebody or we're paying somebody or even helping somebody relocate and, and move out and stuff like that. So that's more the niche that I've been able to grow on Instagram. And, you know, as we grew and as I was posting more, I still wasn't showing my face. I was still just sharing pretty much from my perspective to... Like what, you weren't showing your face, you were showing what you were seeing, what, what you were seeing, looking at. Okay. What I was seeing. And, and uh, I, I put the battle off for like about six months. Man. I would post pictures, I'll put, I'll share, I'll share selfies, but I didn't want to turn the video camera towards me. So what happened when you decided to start consistently turning that camera around, talking to the camera, what what made you realize that was more powerful? And and what keeps you going with that, even when you just said, every time you do a video, you still get a little bit nervous? So my first video, bro, uh, believe it or not, I did that retake like 25 times. <laughs> and I still sounded nervous at the end of the video. It was 25 times, I sat in my car, and I did a motivational video on why Somebody should continue going after it and not to quit. It was something within those lines. And finally dropped it. I, I posted it with some caption. But the fact was that for the first time, I didn't even notice that my Instagram was going up to 3,000, 4,000 followers. For the first time, three to 4,000 people have seen my face and have heard me talk and me look at the camera. And the engagement was off the chain. People were, you know, this is great. Thank you, bro. I needed this. So it was like, oh crap, like, you know, I got responses on my stories, I would get responses to the comments on my selfies, like great selfies, this and that. But the 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 response was unique and it was uh genuine. Mm -hmm. And I was like, man, like, let me do this again. So I tried it the next time, like the following week I did another one where I said BBTB is a movement for those I made this movement for them. And at this time I started offering a referral fee to my audience. I was like, if you guys find me a property as an investor, I could pay you. A, I could pay you a referral fee for referring me. And one of the things I did that pissed off a lot of my competitors was I offered an outrageous referral fee of twenty five hundred dollars, and that pissed everybody off. But it was all of the like wholesalers and investors wholesalers, out there, investors, because the traditional the traditional referral fee was five hundred bucks. You get somebody brings you a deal, you get five, pay five hundred bucks. But in my mind, it was like if I'm making if I'm making twenty thirty grand, why can't I cut somebody ten percent? Why can't I cut somebody you know fifteen percent mm -hmm. of that if it didn't cost me money to generate that deal? So I was like, and on top of that, besides Christmas, besides Thanksgiving, what's the biggest time of the year as well? Uh, New Year's Eve. Tax season. Tax season. Okay. Tax season. <laughs> okay. Are oh, you talking about for real estate? Yeah. yeah. No, okay. No, no, no. In general, for the average folks, what is it? Okay. So it's tax season. Let's go with tax season. Let's yeah. Go with tax season. A lot of people are waiting for the tax return. Okay. You know, if you're not paying taxes, tax season is the biggest time for you because yep. you're getting five, eight, two, three grand back. Mm -hmm. So it's just like, and I, and I saw that because, you, you know, let, let's let's keep it honest. I was part of that tax bracket. I was coming there, and I and tax season was the biggest time for me as well. Like I could get three grand back, four but four thousand dollars back. So I was like, how can I entice people to do that? So my second video was a referral fee. Hey, if you would recommend me, I buy a property. I'll pay you two to three thousand dollars. So it was bringing tax season all over again. Okay. And that's what sparked even more interest. People are like, oh shit, now I don't have to get into real estate, but if I know somebody who wants to sell a property, I can still recommend you. And in exchange, they're getting paid money. And it's like, what do, what do we have to do? And it was like, give me their phone number, give me their name, 
And that's it. That's all you have to do. And you're going to collect another text, another text check, you know? Okay. So, and that's the audience. That's and that's how you market it. It kind of like it's tax season all over again. Pretty much all over again. And even for tax season, like 2018, I did another campaign, which is like, I'll match your taxes. You bring me a deal, I'll match your taxes. And, and I your tax return? Your tax return. So some people are bringing me, <laughs> I got that tax season, I got seven deals. And I didn't share this because I like to keep the people anonymous, but we, we paid seven people and they all got five grand. Wow. And this is something I, I wish now that, that I've been more experienced with social media, I wish I would have shared it at that time. At that time, I was like, let me keep it. Like you, like you mean document that yeah, part of the journey? Documented. I wish I would show all seven people getting five grand. Now you thought about paying them out, paying them out cash. They're coming to the office, paying them five thousand dollars. But now, now that I, you know, I felt that time was like, I did I don't want to really share them. I don't want my my competitors to poach them. You know, that was that fear mindset. Right. It was a fear mindset because it was something new. It was, I know for a fact a lot of people hadn't done this. It was definitely something new that hadn't had been tried. So I was still nervous to share that and have other people get it. And and seeing the negative response I was getting from my from my uh, competitors, like how you how can you afford to pay twenty five hundred bucks? And it was just like it works itself in the deal. It's up to you. Like if I gotta pay somebody twenty five hundred bucks, then that means I gotta go negotiate the seller five grand less yep. so they can cover that. So it was they were so close minded because it hadn't it hadn't been done yet. Yep. But it, and you know sharing this, I didn't realize that people were sending the videos to their friends and family, reposting them. And now by this time I'm pushing seven thousand followers. And it was all because now they can make money with me. So not only am I sharing the journey, now it's allowing the audience to engage. And they have a say, you could say, within my business. And now they're growing with me and people are getting paid out. So, but I, even we've been offering that. This is where the Instagram starts getting more aggressive is where people would question me. Like, how do I know you're going to pay me 2500 bucks? How do I know? How do I know? There's so it's just like... Naturally. Naturally. They're like, how do I know this guy's going to pay me 2500 bucks? So we had to we had to do a guerrilla marketing and, and, and it was uh, we offered a thousand bucks giveaway. We did three of these and so I started giving away. I, I did a thousand dollar giveaway. Four people win. We'll get the chance to make two hundred fifty bucks. So my method behind it was if you if if you can't believe me, I'll pay twenty five hundred bucks. Then let me give away a thousand bucks right now. Okay, so you wanted people to know that you're legit. Correct. That your word is gold. Correct. That you have a high level of integrity, meaning what you say is what you're going to do. Absolutely. And one way to convey that and prove it to them is to do a giveaway. Correct. It's just, and, and, and all right, let's talk about that because I know that can really help social media engagement, especially on Instagram. Um, how did you structure this, this giveaway? Simple, man. So I actually didn't even overthink it. It was, let's take a picture. Uh, saying that and then captioning that I'm gonna give away a thousand bucks. So you take a picture of a thousand bucks? No, I took a picture of myself or holding a thousand bucks. That uh-huh. was it. And posted it. And the caption said, uh, tag three people. And, and so they had some steps they had yeah, to they do. Had some steps. So tag three people. Yeah, let's, let's, actually, let's actually review real quick. Okay. Let's pull, let's pull a post so that way. All right. So for those of you listening on the podcast right now, Kenny is pulling up. Uh, one of his posts on Instagram. If you want to, right now is a good time to go and follow him. It's at property underscore plug. Um, you're going to be able to follow this guy. He's going to be able to document his journey. And in turn, I guarantee you, you will learn something pretty much every single day that you follow this guy. So did you get that pulled up yet? Yeah. So the steps were easy. It was it was actually funny. The, the last one, that I, the last giveaway I've done, the most recent one, I went, we went down the street on Charleston and on East Las Vegas, we went down to take a picture on a money truck. Okay. And we edited it, we got it cropped. And so I sat on a money truck. So you found a money truck somewhere? Yeah, we, no, it was a place where they fixed money trucks. So <laughs> we showed up, I sat behind the money truck, took a quick picture before the manager came out. And and it was, uh, it all says a thousand dollar giveaway, four people will get the chance to win $250. Like this picture, tag three other people. Every three people you tag counts as an entry. If you post it on your stories and you tag me, that counts as three entries. And all participants must be in the United States. Going live and the winners will be chosen. And then the date, 10-17-2018 uh, at 1 p.m. Good luck, guys. So this particular post got 431 comments. Wow. 431 comments. If you multiply 431 comments times three people that are being tagged on there, the potent, uh, we got in front of close to 1,500 people for $1,000. And it got reshared by 49 people. And it got uh, saved by three people. It brought in 682 profile visits. And it, and it actually got in front of the Explore page in front of uh, 1,800 people. 
Wow. So, so you're checking the analytics on, on these posts. Correct. How are you, and that's, that is huge, it's creative. You can either spend money through the social media's ad platform or you right. can run a contest yourself and create organic engagement, which right. is even better when it comes to the algorithm, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. And, you know, with, with anything like on social media, you can do something good, but people still find it bad in it. We've, uh, the whole time this giveaway is going on, people, there was a lot of people messaging me like, what are you doing? This is fraud. What are you going to use this information with? And I was like, what information? All I'm asking is to tag three other people. And you get a chance to win. And we and what, so what we did instead of using a program to capture all these people, uh, all these people that have have participated, we actually hand wrote all the names and we folded them up, we put them in a little in, in a little basket. And when I went live, we raffled them out. We had and I didn't even pick it. I had other people have my team. So the whole the whole theme behind it is I wanted real people to see real people participating. Mm-hmm. And, and you know we had close to like two hundred something people on the live, and all that did was pretty much. If, if 431 people commented and they retagged me, they reposted me, all it did, this is when I hit the $10,000, I mean the 10,000 uh, followers. You know, it pushed me to having 10,000, I was at 7,000 followers and so many people tagging, posting, sharing, it pretty much created almost like a viral effect and it, and it got almost, it got pushed me close to 10,000 followers. And the whole time it was like, I had people like, I don't think this is, this is legit. And it's like, okay, then just go live. And then once it, once we did the giveaways, this is where I did share. I had people come like, if you live here, come come collect it right now. And then so we had people coming in like an hour after after the win, coming in collecting two hundred fifty dollars cash. It wasn't a gift card; it was two hundred fifty dollars cash. They'll come in, pay them two hundred fifty bucks, take a picture of them, tag them, they'll again repost. So whatever audience they had was still engaged. Like my friends want two hundred fifty bucks for being tagged on a post or tagging somebody on a post. And you documented that by capturing the giveaway, actually giving the the prize right. away right. on video. So so technically. It's, it's a cash transaction, but you could write it off because now it's on video. <laughs> yeah, like the, so, that's so, your receipt, right? Exactly. And we did the same thing with Beats giveaway. We gave away headphones. Yep. And I've seen that. We, we gave away actually 37 headphones. I didn't even know this. I, I just went back and did the math. We gave away 37 Beats headphones. So, so you had either yourself or someone on your team went through all of those comments yep. and whatever you said in the caption section, if they did it, Let's say they did it on their stories. They would get three additional entries. All of the things that you said would become actual paper raffle entries right. into a box. Right. And if that person did the thing to get three entries, they would get three pieces of paper in, in the Absolutely. raffle box. Yeah. And if they if they reshared me on the story, they got three more. Yeah. So some people were in there six, seven times, you know. And, yeah. and it just created so much participation that uh, I had this one girl tag somebody close to like 20, 30 times. Like she kept tagging more and more friends. <laughs> And, and and the craziest thing, she actually ended up winning. She won, and she needed that money to pay her light bill. Oh and my so gosh! So anytime I post something, this, now this girl re retags me for everything. She'll reshare me. She feels like she owes me that. Has she uh has has she sent you a deal yet by chance to get no, the twenty five hundred? But the fact <laughs> I just love the fact that she's I guess you could say a fan. Yeah, and she's nonstop reposting. Absolutely. Anytime I post something motivational or something she likes, just that she can relate to, she'll repost. Or if I say I'm offering uh. A $2,500, uh, if I'm offering a $2,500 pay for somebody who brings me a deal, she's the first one to reshare it. So she's she's pretty loyal. She's, and she has a large following as well. She has close to 3000 4000 people. So that $250 that she won one time has now served almost as free marketing over and over and over and free publicity yep. in front of three, 4000 of her audience. Man, that that is huge. This is like, I could literally sit here and probably talk to you for hours just to, to learn more and more and more. I really appreciate you sharing, but I know that you're busy and you have to get back to work and, and I've got things to do as well, but I've got one more question for you um, and then I'm going to ask you where people can find you. Um, but, so you're doing all of this to grow your audience, increase your engagement. At the end of the day, um, how has this helped your opportunities for purchasing investment properties grow? Like, it's not just vanity metrics. Is it turning into real estate deals for Absolutely. you? Absolutely. Uh, and that's why I've transi- transitioned away from Facebook because Facebook, I'm able to sell. So like you mentioned earlier, it's my MLS. Mm-hmm. But now Instagram has become one of my prospecting tools. And I was just having a team meeting with my guys yesterday. And I told them, I was like, I did my numbers and I made $175,000 off of Instagram. So last year, 2018, $175,000 off of Instagram. And it was from the deals that referred off to me. And it's literally one deal per month that comes off of Instagram. And, you know, my deals, I buy and flip them and the average spread is 15 grand. So I'm getting paid almost $15,000 a month to be on Instagram. 
uh, and this is after paying the guys, the course, and all the expenses. We and have. That, that's usually coming in the form of a, a seller directly to you, or sometimes the sellers, or a referral from referrals. Uh, so see, the thing is, like, the trick behind all this is not social media is going to get you deals. Right. The fact is, the same people you're cold calling, the same people that you're marketing to, the same people that you're sending letters to, and doing all that, their friends and family are on social media. Again, it goes back to they're consuming. We're consuming each other. Mm-hmm. So. They're on there. And if I can continuously blast them subliminally or not and let them know that I'm an investor, I buy properties. If you know somebody going to a tough situation, who knows who's going through a tough situation? Everybody. Everybody. You know, because if you have a friend, you'll tell them, I can't afford to pay my rent. I might lose my house. I might lose this. I even offer that to people who live in property, like tenants. If you're, if you're going to get evicted, don't get evicted with no money out of your pocket. Give me your landlord's number. Why are you getting evicted? Or before, before while he serves with a third day notice, if I can get in front of the landlord, negotiate a transaction, and close the deal, I'll give you another 30 days to move out. That way you're not getting kicked out and put money in your pocket. Wow. It's something that guys don't do. And no. it's just like, but who do, who knows that? The same people that are following me know somebody or a friend or family going in that situation. And on top of it, because now they know you can say the dirty laundry, they get paid for that. So, and, and as well, their friends and families can benefit. Their friends and families can benefit from this. So it's like, the same people you're marketing through, let's say, old school tactics, those same people, their friends and families are on social media. So the Instagram or Facebook, it just serves as a platform. This is just a more of a direct way to be able to get to it. You know, this isn't a Pony Express. The message gets delivered right there and then. And that's kind of like, that's kind of what's helped me grow my Instagram. It's actually helped me grow my Instagram. It's being continuously in front of 1,200, 1,300 people through my story. So like you said, you see the rain, always my Instagram is always going because it's like, how can I continuously stay in front of you? You know, like... If you're not in front of somebody continuously, they be, you become irrelevant. Yep. But if I stay in front of you continuously and I engage you through a poll, like, what do you think about this? Or do you do you drink? Do you smoke? Do you do this? You know, and I engage you and then, hey, by the way, look at this property. And by the way, I'm sharing the journey, like sharing my kids going to swimming school. All that yep. keeps you in, in, in track because not everybody's engaged just to the real estate side. You have to give your audience. You have to listen to what your audience is saying. And I listen to them. When I post my kids, there's about 30 to 50 older ladies that follow me and they love seeing my kids so I feed them my kids content when I post more about the hustle on the grind and you know how sometimes I get punched in the mouth a lot of the rookies come into business who can relate to that mm-hmm. and when I get into metrics and you can say once it's time to stunt and I show what I've done and what I do that's that's more of a punch directly to my competitors like look this is what we're doing without having to spend thousands of dollars so and everything has a reason like every post every story has a meaning behind it well and it's it's not just a punch in the mouth but it's also inspiration for people who are looking to learn and 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 find out how they might be able to do what you do which leads me to the final segment where we're going to wrap this up social agent secrets i've gotten wind through social media that you're developing a course is that right it's almost out i've been (laughs) I've been procrastinating on this one for almost a year, um, but it was over because I consider myself a student still. And just like, I didn't want to drop something that I hadn't perfected yet. And I finally realized like, oh, I'm never gonna perfect this business, but I can still show people the tactics that I've been able to use to continuously grow and continue to grow. So my course will be out, you know, hopefully by May 10th, and I'll be showing you tactics and raw material, um, conversations we have here at the office, raw calls, so, like I said, of course, we'll pretty much show how to comp, how to, you, I guess, fight the day-to-day battle that a real estate entrepreneur goes through. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not all glamorous. It's, it's one of the hardest industries. I've been in a lot of different industries, uh, back and stuff that I've done part-time, and it's one of the hardest industries. one of the hardest ones I'm punching them out. So, my tactics is just more mental and more genuine on things that you should do and should take the approach into doing to grow yourself in the real estate business. All right. So, um, you guys, look out for that. Um, it, it'll likely be out, he said, by May 10th. Um, you're probably going to be announcing that on Instagram. Uh, yeah, we're, we're going to be announcing it. We'll probably do a giveaway when, when we shout it out. So. Okay, so it, it's not ready yet. But if you're um, an aspiring real estate investing entrepreneur, real estate professional who wants to learn more about the investing side, you guys are going to want to go and follow Kenny at property plug underscore or property underscore plug on Instagram, or you can just search your name, Kenny Caceres, and it'll pop up. Um, And if you go and follow him, turn on the notifications, make sure you do that. So when he does this giveaway, you guys will be notified, but you'll also, uh, if you, for some reason you don't win the giveaway, 
you'll be able to learn more about his course that he's launching, get plugged into that, and really try to find out and learn how to find success for yourself in your own real estate business. Wherever you are in the country, wherever you're at in the world, pretty Absolutely. much this stuff will work, right? Absolutely. All right, man. Um, again, I really appreciate you taking the time. I appreciate you, brother. Um, who knows? We might end up doing another one maybe a year from now um, as a follow-up if there's new tactics. I'm sure the listeners on this podcast, as it grows, which it has been, will want to learn more about your progress. So I thanks again. shared about 10% of this, so look out for the <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you on the next podcast. Thank you.